Hey everyone, today it's just me, Alan, your friendly neighborhood DM guy. I'm here alone this week, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to have a podcast. And that means that I had to come up with an episode for just one person, which is, you know, a thing. And I think that it's kind of a challenge to myself to try and figure out what I can do. But I definitely found myself coming back to one topic. And it's one that I think was kind of personal to me. And that was why I thought it would be a pretty good idea to maybe try and talk about that today. So what I really like to talk about is getting into character. Now, I know when I first started playing D&D, I remember these moments where I would look at things and say, okay, how much damage can I deal to this goblin? Or like, what is my best way to deal all of this damage in a turn? Um, I would oftentimes look at my, at the point, ranger and say, oh, well, would it be more efficient for me to do this, or would it be more efficient for me to do this in terms of damage? And I would oftentimes, with my coding background, find myself trying to run simulations just like of random, randomly generated um, spreads of different tactics uh, in code so that I could try and figure out my best way to deal damage. And for some people, that's a very reasonable way to play the game, right? I, I don't doubt that a lot of people get joy out of maxing their damage in game. That's cool. Um, but for me, the game wasn't exciting then. Um, I was trying to find something that would make it exciting. And the, the damage was supposed to be that thing. But once I started to figure out that you could play D&D differently with things like role play and things like, um, you know, getting into character, those type of things made all of the necessity of min-maxing melt away. Those things made it so that min-maxing just wasn't nearly as fun anymore. And that made it so that I really started enjoying the game. I didn't really inst start enjoying the game until I started learning how to uh, min-max my roleplay ability. <laughs> um, and so today I'd like to talk about my experience getting into character, trying to find my very first character, um, and maybe giving you guys tips on how you might be able to get into character. Um, because I think I've seen a lot of people who will come into D&D, and especially with more seasoned veterans, um, try and get into character with them or watch them get into character and find it to be really difficult because they may not have a writer's background or a performer's background, and that type of stuff, jumping into character like that, is not a familiar space for them. And so when they try and do that, they feel oftentimes at a disadvantage, like they're always trying to catch up. Um, and that can be frustrating and difficult for a lot of people because that makes them feel like not only do they want to play the game and they don't feel like they're playing it correctly because they're not meeting up to those expectations set by other players, um, but they're also always feeling like they're inferior. And we don't ever want to make anyone feel inferior at the table. I oftentimes try to utilize the experience that I've had in D&D to try and read rooms or tables and try and find people who are having a tougher time and try and talk to them out of game and be like, hey, are you having a hard time with this or is there some way that I can help you 
better get into um, this same headspace. So maybe it doesn't feel like the other people that are more experienced are monopolizing your time. I think this is oftentimes something that's really difficult for new players because they just, they're learning two things at once, how to play the mechanics of the game and how to get into character. There's a lot of different ways to play D&D and, you know, there's a lot of different facets to learn. And oftentimes me and Zach talk about this click moment, right? Where people will start to finally click into D&D. And that really ties into, for me, figuring out how to role play because that's when you merge the understanding mechanics with the understanding of getting into that um, improv role play space. So what I think for me is the easiest couple ways of getting into character. Um, there are three things that I'd really like to go over. Um, one of them is character voices. One of them is going to be character items, like things that you, yourself, um, the player, brings around when they go to session, possibly a notebook, or even sometimes maybe a deck of tarot cards, or a certain set of dice that you associate with a certain character. Sometimes people don't even realize that a set of dice that you buy only for one character can really help you make sure that you're in that character's headspace. And also, I'd really like to um, take a moment to just talk about the importance of backstory because it's so hard to get into character if you don't know what character you're playing. Now, of course, it's totally reasonable to find character backstory as you walk through your character's shoes, but the less you know about that character, the harder it's going to be to be able to get into their shoes. And so I think that's a really awesome and useful piece to be able to... Um, utilize as well. So I think the first thing that we'll talk about is character voices. So myself, I don't think character voices are always necessary. They're okay. <laughs> They're great for me, for me as a player. I love doing character voices. It's one of my favorite things. Um, as an aspiring voice actor, it's one of the things that I put a lot of stake into. I put a lot of time into trying to make characters feel alive by giving them you know, a certain type of um, feeling when I deliver them to my fellow party members. And for me, that really helps. And if this section doesn't interest you or seems like, you know, too much, that's okay. You don't have to jump in all the way the very first time. That would be a lot to ask. And I don't think that it is very reasonable to tell everybody that they have to do character voices. But if you are willing to try something out, it doesn't always have to be an accent, or it doesn't always have to be a specific timbre. Um, you can do a lot of different things with character voices. And I think oftentimes when I try and think of the place that my character is from or how I want them to feel, it can really help me to try and find that place by just starting small, right? So maybe I have a character and I want them to be very serious, right? possibly a different cadence of deliverance, right? I would think about people who have very authoritative figures or who are very authoritative figures, um, like possibly people in the army or those who are very strong debaters. Um, and I played my character Malak that we've talked about for a long time. His very stoic way of talking started as me just trying to change the cadence of the way I talked and make it very authoritative and unwavering in the way that it started. And so whenever I have um, 
done that, uh, I, or whenever I, I used Malak, I always had that very authoritative uh, voice. And that always bring, and that also brings me into uh, another point is sometimes you can try a character voice and you'll lose it. <laughs> you start talking and then all of a sudden it's just gone and you forget where it is and you try and go back and you try and do that British accent again, but you just can't find the right one. And it is so frustrating. I hear you. I hear what you're saying in your mind right now, this conversation between you and me through this medium of headphones. I promise I know what you're saying. Um, but I find myself looking for um, for engagement phrases or trigger phrases that will allow me to get into a character. So, for example, I've had a couple characters that I've really used this for um, to make sure that I can maintain what they sound like in my brain. And so, for example, I knew Dovin, my very old um, ranger that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, I could always say his name and I would get into character. And uh, as I said his name, it was always Dovin Nala. And uh, I knew that as I said that name, even if it was in this like kind of like pompous British accent that may be a little over the top, um, I enjoyed making sure that I could take that and then get into character. Because if I started to say Dovin Nala, um, Ranger of the Feridil Woods, and uh, striker from the heavens, like it would be super easy. Well, that was a really pompous thing to say. It's just for a thing came to my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, that would be really easy for me to get into character. But if I wanted to do Malak, um, I had a phrase. My name is Malak Lokan, and this is my brother Raven. I always held my ends on Malak, and I always spoke in this very authoritative manner, and so. Whenever I would start to talk to other people, it would be very much just like this cadence of just beats and beats and beats where Malak would go forward. He would make sure that he punctuated his sentences and that every ending you knew when he was complete. And with that type of um, structure, it's not even very different from my normal voice. It's just a little down and a little cadenced, right? A little bit beaded, I guess. Uh, and I think that it can be super easy to jump into those because it's, I, I could I could talk as me and it'd be fine. But once I start thinking about how that character would interact with my voice, then all of a sudden maybe I gain a little bit of a cadence, right? So for example, it doesn't take a whole lot to just bring your voice down a little bit. And then all of a sudden your voice is very different. I don't have to do a lot to change and make it feel like I'm a different person and be in a different space. Um, you can also like uh, adjust the graveliness of your voice and it makes it a lot more kind of dense and tense and, uh, and weird. And you can really change the way that um, that type of stuff uh, works. But like, make it your own, right? Just find something small. I'm sure we've all done crazy voices before. And this stuff is no different, right? You're just doing it for a longer amount of time and whenever you're talking to other people. And the greatest thing about it is that it helps you get into character. When I'm talking in those voices, I'm not playing Alan. I'm playing those characters because it helps me move my brain out of hearing my own voice and move my brain into getting into that character's voice. And that way, I'm not stuck in the player, but I'm moving towards where the character is trying to be. 
So um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be crazy. Um, and honestly, you don't have to do anything like overly complicated. Like a lot of people will do accents. If that's not for you, it's not for you. Accents are hard. They take a lot of practice. Um, I mean, I've been doing accents forever and it took me a long time to be able to figure out how to copy accents. That's not something that you learn overnight. And so if someone's doing a really good accent and you're like, wow, that's awesome. First of all, give them a compliment. Everybody loves those. And then try it yourself. See if you can get to that place where you feel like, wow, I'm doing a good job. And it doesn't have to be very far away from your normal voice. Um, okay, so the next thing I'd really like to talk about is character items. I love character items. They're fantastic. Um, if you've ever gone in and bought a nice-looking journal for a mage or um, some sort of ledger for a arcanist or maybe a um, a, um, a a long or, or or like a like just some sort of other journal that you might keep tracking records for a rogue or a ranger, um, those type of things are character items. And when you get those, it is really awesome to be able to keep your character's ideas in these notes. Um, ever since I have been DMing online, it's been a lot easier for me as a DM and as a player to be able to keep notes because oftentimes I will keep them in Discord, in the exact um, place where I play D&D. And then oftentimes that helps me go back there and find those moments, find those things uh, to be able to remember where my mindset was in character. I oftentimes will try and end my notes with what my character's thinking, what they want to accomplish, and what questions they want to ask. Whenever I'm DMing, I will oftentimes ask my players to write those notes down in their notes for my games, because I think those three questions really encompass a lot of what a character could be going through at that exact moment. And with that, it's a lot easier for them to look back, get a quick jump start, or even for you to get a quick jump start on making sure that you know where your character is and carrying that across sessions, right? Because we all know the age old problem of having a really awesome session, getting super into character, and then coming back the next one right off the tail end of having a bad day and not being able to get into it. We all feel that pain. That is always frustrating and terrible. So don't feel too bad about it. But those questions will help you get out of that mindset and move forward into being able to have an awesome session this time too. Um, another couple of different things that might help you is I think that dice are fantastic. If you go to a game store and you look around, there are hundreds of different types of dice that you can get. There are really fancy metal ones, crystal ones, plastic ones, ones with designs, all types of dice that you can get. And oftentimes I find it really valuable whenever I make a new character to go and find some dice that really feel like that character. So what I will do is I will get that character's idea and their backstory in my mind and I will go and I will look for a design of dice that fits what they feel like to me. And 
what that means is I will try and find like a design or I will try and find um, possibly a cut or um, or something like that that will make me feel like these are the dice that are attuned with this character in my brain. I've had green ones that match to my my rangers, or I will have really detailed and delicate ones for my more flamboyant characters, or I will have dark, heavy, and metal ones for those characters that are a little bit more moody, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and so those can really be awesome because we all know that dice collecting is an awesome and fun thing to do, but having a specific set of dice for one character really can help you in looking down, seeing those dice, making sure that those dice are the ones you roll for that character, and getting into it with those specific set of, with that specific set of dice that, um, that really pulls you into that headspace. Um, so I think that that's a, a great way to do that. And also, guys, you're supporting your local game store. Always keep that in mind. If you can buy an extra set of dice, I know not everybody has the financial ability to buy a new set of dice every time they start a new D&D character, but if you can, we got to keep those places open. We got to keep the places that give us that solace open. So if you can support your local game store, definitely do so. Also, I think things that like are just small trinkets are also super cool. Like I have a character that uses tarot cards for different things like uh, spell casting and um, fortune reading and things like that. And I don't really know how to do tarot card readings. I kind of made one up. But that means that I have some item that directly correlates with that character. And when I look at that item, I'm like, ah, yes, that is Florea. Uh, that is the character that maps to that item. And that's what I want to be able to um, get into the headspace of, and so those things will help me get there. Um, I've seen people who will have, uh, I don't know, even wands that they've created themselves for spell casters, or maybe small tokens, um, possibly uh, a little uh, battle axe medallion um, on your keychain or something like that, um, and, and different things like that. You don't have to go overboard. You don't have to come dressed up to D&D. But if you've got stuff that just kind of gets you into character and makes you happy, I'm sure that everybody would think that was super cool that you had something that you brought along to keep you in that space. And also, as we all know, uh, keeping things in your hands will keep you from touching your phone. And oftentimes that is a huge problem in D&D when you are trying to make sure that you focus on the game, but you have a hard time putting your phone down because we all have gotten there where we're just a little too far outside of the game. And oh no, I'm scrolling through Reddit again. Uh, how did I get here? I didn't intend to be here. Oh, well, wonderful. I'll just pick up my wand and twiddle it in my hands, and all of a sudden I'm busy twiddling this wand, thinking about my character, and then I start being able to just kind of not focus on my phone as much anymore. So those are my things for different types of uh, in-character items. I think those are awesome to help you just get a little bit closer into that mind space. Uh, those type of things will really, um, really be able to help you there. And the last one, and the most important one, is backstory. Guys, backstory is super important. 
I've seen people come into games and they say, yeah, I'm a barbarian. I'm possessed by a bad guy. Okay. That's cool. Can we talk about that? No. I have no other... I have nothing past it. I just want to beat shit up. This is things that could have been solved in session zero. Um, I oftentimes will kind of try and figure out whether my players want to be murder hobos or they actually want to engage with my story. Um, I'm not really that partial to murder hobos, and so oftentimes that makes it a little less enticing for me to play games like that, but it helps me understand where people are coming from and whether they want to engage with the games that I'm, I'm putting up. Um, but when you have people who don't have backstory, it's going to be super hard for them to get into character. They're just going to be templates. They're just going to be one note. Um, if they come in saying, I'm going to do this accent, I'm going to do this character, and I'm not going to do anything beyond that. I don't feel like I should have any deep moments into my characters. Then it's going to be hard for them, or you, if that's you, to be able to focus on trying to find the places that are interesting with that character. Um, for example, I think that um, the first moment that I really figured out my first character's backstory, all of a sudden everything opened up to me because I originally knew I was just like, I'm going to be an arcane archer. That's it. I'm an elf. I'm Legolas. Cool. We all know someone who's done that, right? Who's just been like, yeah, Legolas is cool. Lord of the Rings is dope, right? And then I knew I wanted to shoot magic on my arrows. That was it. That's all I wanted to do. Um, but once I started coming up with a more in-depth backstory, my DM asked me, she said, you know, Alan, what is Dovin's story? I want to hear what he does so that I can write things into the game, so that I can make it seem like you're more part of this world. And to me, I didn't realize that that could be so important until my DM asked me. And once again, big plug for just talk to your DM if you've got problems, or DMs talk to your players if you've got problems. But once I started to ask those questions, that to me made me understand the character better and made me able to get into character better. So I didn't have a, a character voice for Dovin before that. And after this, I started to think, I was like, wow, like, where is he from? Like, how does he act? Like, what should he sound like? Those type of things really catalyzed those thoughts in my mind, right? And so as you get into backstory more, it'll super help you find those other pieces of your character that you're looking for. Does your character, I don't know, have a fear of dogs? Has a dog bitten him in his backstory? Um, does your character not like water? Were they stranded at sea on a raft? Or do they not like it when they're party members have really good relationships with their family? Have they had a troubled family life? Those type of things can really interact with the way that you play the game. And those type of things can really enhance your interaction with other people. Once people start to realize that your character has a certain penchant for getting uncomfortable when they talk to their parents in a loving way, then all of the sudden they have stuff to latch into. Why is the character like that? Why are they upset or uncomfortable when shown affection? Why are they upset or uncomfortable when near a very kind dog? Those type of things can really enhance 
who you are as a character and how you can get into that space. Because if the DM starts describing things like that, all of a sudden you already know that your character has been through that before and has been in situations that make it difficult for them to deal with that. And then that combined with everything else we've already talked about might be able to really get you into a place where your role play can just roll off your back. It'll be super easy to be able to, I don't think that's the right saying, I'm sorry. Uh, but I, don't, I think it'll be way easier for you to be able to find where you can go with that character if you've already got a point of reference. Um, being able to look for those things in a backstory and then move forward with them is a lot easier than coming up with them on the fly. And of course, if you and your DM want to come up with things on the fly, totally do it. Um, I've seen great success with that, but I often see a lot more success with it when we start with a really strong foundation. For example, in the last session that I played with, if you remember Barry, um, he was playing a character named Radreal in one of my campaigns. And in the middle of it, we started with this, um, or in the middle of the, the session, we brought in another character that was tied to his backstory and interacted with him in a way that really resonated with the way that his backstory was structured. And it was really awesome. And I added pieces to his backstory that he didn't even know about, and he rolled with them. And when I said, uh, here's how it is, it's always yes and, and uh, that's for for people who don't know improv, whenever you do improv in many different ways, the general way to accept and move on uh, and not step on other people's toes is to say yes and. So if if I were to say or if a, a character were to say I have seven dogs and the other character says oh yes and I'm afraid of dogs, that's a very reasonable way to. Um, to move forward in a scene and try to make interesting pieces of the scene uh, come out, right? And so um, I think that that type of thing, oh gosh, I think I've lost my my train of, of thought, but oh well, who cares? It's hard for me to keep track when I don't have someone else to help me. <laughs> uh, but I think that... Um, Generally, that backstory is really important to making sure that you are able to latch into that. Um, but uh, going back to the stuff with um, with Barry, he had this awesome stuff where he yes-anded everything that I was putting in, and he loved it. He was able to gain a ton of value from all of the extra stuff that I was adding to his backstory as we were going along, and feel like it was really grounded in the backstory that we had already created because Radreal has a really dense and awesome backstory, but the fact that I added more onto it just made it feel more real, more fleshed out. Um, and the fact that he added onto it when I prompted him just showed how much he was invested in the character because he already had something to go off of. And that really felt awesome for both me and for Barry. And I would say that if you can ever do that, definitely try to uh, improv in the middle, but start with a strong foundation. And if you're ever feeling problematic about trying to create a backstory, definitely talk to your DM. They've got awesome, awesome, awesome uh, perspective. Because 
let's say you have an elf and they have a place where they're like, oh, well, the elves come from over here. And then all of a sudden you can start asking questions like, why is this place where elves come from? Or is there any reason that they're sequestered to only this area? Is there some sort of problem that they encounter leaving that area? And then all of a sudden the DM has to think about that and, oh, well, maybe they haven't thought about that before. And all of a sudden you two are building lore together. That's the one of the my favorite parts about D&D, creating with other people and getting to keep that and give it back to others. When I have done entire campaigns in certain parts of the world and then I move off to other places, I get to reference those campaigns now. All those characters get to have an impact and all of a sudden, what better way to be in character than to have already made an impact in the world, I guess. I don't know. Um, I think that those type of things really, really make an impact when you can talk with your DM and, um, and make that lore up and make it permanent in their world with them. And that also will make you feel like you're putting something back into the game and it'll give you a lot of ways to feel anchored into the story. So guys, I think that's pretty much it for today. I don't have too much else to be able to talk about because uh, I think that I kind of went through everything I wanted to and this actually lasted about as long as I was kind of hoping it would. I didn't expect this episode to be too incredibly long, but I hope it was super awesomely informational for you. I put a lot of effort into trying to make sure that these points were cohesive and um, I hope that showed. So you guys are all wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I don't have another cool outro. I don't have anyone here to bounce this off of. So, um... I don't know, insert your own favorite outro here from our previous episodes, and I will just accept and acknowledge that it's there. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you later, everybody. I hope you're having a good day. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. The fact that you have made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends, or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journey's Rest, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash A Journey's Rest Podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them in to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope that the rest of your day is just as wonderful. See you again at our table soon.